0: Welcome back inside Creaking Door, Paranormal Radio Holiday Edition. This is our Christmas special. We don't get too, too Christmassy, but we're going to have some fun with it today.
1: We are, as we sit here and watch the snow fall out of our studio windows today. Which
0: uh, the snow has fallen quite a bit in our hometown. It
1: hasn't stopped for about the last (laughs) five days. I went out last night into the yard. I had to replace a light bulb on one of those plastic Santa Claus yard decorations. You bet. And holy wow! It was up to my knee already. Yeah, I, two three weeks ago we had no snow. Yeah, but when that's it how comes. quick it can accumulate here in the UP.
0: Well, that's just it, coming off the big lake, right? And yeah. uh, before you know it, we are buried again. So it's safe uh, to say we are going to have a white Christmas.
1: I don't think we. That's that's very seldom in doubt here in Northern Michigan. I hate to say but it though, I think this year, I think at least twice. I can in think our of lifetime. One, I can think of
0: once. Uh, I remember. I can
1: think of once.
0: I remember two. One was we were a little bit younger, but I remember. I remember the, the latest one. Wasn't too too long ago, but it, it, there's 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 nothing more depressing than a green
1: Christmas. No, I I agree with that because yeah. just from where we've grown up. Yes, yeah, so. exactly. So do you have your list into Santa Claus? I do. I'm pretty sure it's already been kicked back, but yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> I do. How about you?
1: <laughs> well, the the list that I was given now uh, includes some new blood pressure medication. My, oh, uh, that that my doctor that just up? sent to the North Pole for me. Okay, so. that was nice of him. Yeah, yeah. So we we've got that coming. I'm pretty excited about that. And then what uh, the heck's I'm, got you so stressed? Uh, you know what? I think it's just uh, uh, age and life, yeah. and it uh, goes right hand-in-hand hand with the home renovations we've been working on that, <laughs> that seem too. to be non-stop for about the last month, but I, I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel there.
0: That is good. Yeah, I know you guys have been at that for quite a oh, while, man. and to do it right around the holidays doesn't help.
1: Well, it wasn't planned that way, but as usual, <laughs> getting contractors in uh, oh, their, their two to three weeks is is uh, pretty flexible, yeah, it turns yeah. out. So, <laughs> two to three weeks ish. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So if everything works out right, I think this this week uh, everything knock on wood should be back in place until the next round happens so all right i one one thing on the list so that I saw. You might have seen this by now. It's been floating around social media quite a bit. Yet, yeah. Uh, our good friend over in England, MJ Dixon, yes, just released. If you're familiar with the game Cards Against Humanity, mm-hmm. it's the tagline is a, a party game for horrible people. Yes, and, and it's so true, <laughs> and it's so fun for adults. Kids don't do, don't dig Mom into that. Do not
0: let them around.
1: But MJ, I knew she'd been working on this, and we chatted about it, I it probably a year back now. But she finally got it released. It's released in the UK, Cards Against the Paranormal. Mm -hmm. It is along the same lines as Cards Against Humanity, but it's all paranormal questions. There's 600 cards in the deck. I know she'd really rush to get it out for the holiday season. As I said, she'd put a lot of time into it. Soon to be available in the U.S., Mm -hmm. I've been told. I believe she's taking pre-orders right now, and you can check it out. Get all the info at uh, sageparanormal.co.uk. It looks way too fun. It's it does, mm-hmm. and there there may even be a couple cards related to your favorite two podcast hosts in there. <laughs> yeah,
0: there might be. You never know. So it's worth buying just for that, just to find out if Brad speaks the truth or not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I, that is definitely on my list as well. I can't wait to get a copy of that for sure. All right. Well, uh, hopefully uh, Santa and the elves will uh, will. Fulfill the as you said there. I've already fulfilled the uh, the high blood pressure one, so yep. that is good. That one couldn't wait till the 25th. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Had to get here now. Speaking of which, you just reminded me I got to refill
1: mine. <laughs> oh, we're getting old, man. We're getting isn't old. Isn't it great pushing? You know what age? Yeah, so, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, very good. Well, it's great to be back in the studio for another edition yes. of Creaking Door Paranormal Radio as we are wrapping up. Uh, can't be- hard to believe another calendar year. Yeah, it is, yeah. isn't
1: it? Yeah. And, and you know, a little bit better than the last one. It, it, mm-hmm. it got off to a rocky start. And, of course, we're kind of on the other side of the C-word, but yeah. it keeps popping up, but it seems to be mellowed out now. So, yeah. I mean, we're, we're heading in. And we did we did a lot of live presentations this fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, we on were everywhere. Yeah, yeah, right. So And as it's working out, it seems next year is going to be just as busy. And it's kind of nice to book these and not have to worry about whether or not events are going to be put on yeah. hold or, or just flat out cancelled because of the pandemic.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the fact that the uh, the, the vaccine is out there now, I think is uh, that the panic mode is pulled back a little right. bit. Yeah. So, right. So, yeah. so we are definitely looking forward to a uh, another busy and fun 2022.
1: And looking forward to a Christmas with friends and family this year, you which last it. year a lot of people were a little on the nervous side about. That so is very true, yeah. It's, it's so. nice to go into Christmas with that. That holiday mindset and Mm -hmm. good cheer and uh, good beers and (laughs) everything else that we uh, so love about the holiday season.
0: You got it. So wishing all of our listeners the happiest of holidays and have fun and and be safe. But with that, Brad, what do you say we turn our attention to something we like to call Para News, where we take a look at some of the fun and interesting uh, stories that are going on right now, uh, hitting some headlines. And I would like to start with this one, which I literally woke up this morning and found that headline breaking so I, I totally forgot that china had a, a moon rover going on that they had uh their their people are all their machines up on the moon right now
1: well i, I he, are you saying you don't believe it i don't know i i <laughs> wouldn't doubt it i mean obviously the capabilities are there but i always take anything anymore it seems that comes out of China yeah. with a grain of salt
0: yeah me too uh as well um but it seems to be being followed by quite a few reputable uh Organizations, if you will, one of them being space.com, which is kind of like the leading uh, space exploration site out there. And they're the ones who broke this story. So we'll see. But it's called China's U22 rover. And apparently, just recently, the pictures came back and spotted a mysterious object described as a hut or house on the far side of the moon, according to the recent log of the lunar rover's activities. Now, u 2 encountered the cube shaped object while driving across the on Caraman creator last month during the mission's 36th lunar day, according to the Post. The rover, which landed on the far side of the moon in January of 2019, sent back images of the object on the horizon. And according to the Post, the rover was located about 262 feet away and is expected to reach... The site of that object in two to three months of trekking. Wow. That's a long that's, time to get 260 that's a hell, feet. That's a hell of a road trip. Yeah, it is. Uh, now, Space.com did point out that the mystery hut, some of it are calling a uh, uh, the uh, mystery um, shack? shack. And uh, there was another name for it, too, that I saw. And uh, anyways, uh, hut or shack. Bungalow? Um, it could be that, too. Mystery bungalow on the moon. Uh, space.com did point out that the mystery hut is used as a placeholder name based on its appearance. They don't believe it's literally a hut. The site also offered a possible explanation for the object's true origin. It could be a larger boulder that was uh, excavated by an impact event. But if you do see the uh, the pictures of it and uh, zoomed in, it is definitely looks square like a hut. So we'll see. Obviously, we got to wait another three to four months, but we'll find out.
1: Could be a Dollar General. They seem to pop up
0: everywhere <laughs> where you least expect it. Uh, you know what, if I'm a betting man, I'm going going—I'm going Dollar General for well, sure.
1: Let's put money on that one. Yeah. Well, some stories you just can't quite make up. Now, I, I know you were a big fan of the Twilight series, right, Tim? The big uh, sparkly... Uh, Twilight big, Zone, yes. Sparkly, sparkly vampires, vampires, not you know? so much. Well, Kristen Stewart, you remember her as the, uh, the lead female role in that. She is gunning for gay ghosts, according to this headline in the Detroit News. Oh. Yes, the star of the Twilight movie is developing a gay ghost hunting reality television series a project she's describing as quote a paranormal romp in a queer space unquote You can't make that up, folks. No,
0: you cannot. Stewart
1: revealed her plans to join the celebrity ghost hunting trend in a recent interview with The New Yorker. Gay people love pretty things, the 31-year-old BAFTA award winner told the magazine last month in an interview published this past Tuesday. So we're aiming for a richness, she added. Stewart, who recently announced she was engaged to her longtime girlfriend, Dylan Meyer, said that she's also writing a television series with her soon-to-be wife. Myers, a fellow actress and screenwriter, her latest songwriting project, the Amy Poehler-directed comedy drama Moxie, was released on Netflix in March. Stewart, whose performances as Princess Diana in Spencer has been generating early Oscar buzz, is not the only famous face to make the foray into the unknown. Pop star Demi Lovato, a Grammy-nominated singer and self-described activist and UFO experiencer, Brings viewers on a road trip in search of the definitive answers to some of the biggest questions about extraterrestrial life in her Peacock series, Unidentified with Demi Lovato. I believe uh, a couple of the guys from the the Tennessee Wraith Chasers, Chris uh, and Mike. Part of that, yes. I think they make an appearance yeah. there. So I'm not yeah,
0: I remember sure. earlier this summer hearing about uh, Lovato getting out there to do this. This is yeah. a new one on Stewart.
1: Yeah, this is Kristen Stewart, also fellow pop sensation Kesha has also recently announced a new TV series in which he plans to explore the unexplained. Conjuring Kesha is scheduled to premiere next year on Discovery+. Plus. Okay. I believe we may have a paranormal friend or two that are going to be popping up in that series. Uh, you'll have to find out, I guess, next year. Tune in and find out. Over the course of my life, I've always been drawn to the supernatural and the spiritual realm, the Die Young singer said in a statement. On this new show, I'll bring along my friends to some of the most mysterious paranormal hot spots to explore with me. We'll explore life's great mysteries and aim to catch something never before seen on camera. My hope is to show that supernatural isn't just a thing of myths and fables, she added. So Kristen Stewart's gay ghost hunting reality TV show doesn't say if there's a a network or a platform that's picked this up yet in development. But I would bet you can watch for it next year. It seems any of the celebrities that get involved in the ghost hunting realm uh, they've got a, a made-to-go-to platform. Yeah, just yeah, wa- waiting for them. Yeah, so. with
0: someone with her name in Hollywood, I'm sure someone was already looking for this. I
1: would, I would guarantee it. You will see this by this time next year.
0: All right. Well, there we go. Interesting. Be watching for that one. Uh, my second story today for paranormal news, Paranews. Now, this one is really kind of really cool, but at the same time, just kind of has this wicked sci-fi uh, vibe to it too. Elon Musk. We know all know about Mister Musk. Mister Musk. He has said that. That Neuralink, which is a company he is involved with, his brain interface technology company. Okay, let that sink in. Brain interface technology company hopes to start implanting its microchips in humans next year. Mm. Yeah. Now, Neuralink, co-founded by Musk in 2016, is developing a chip that would be implanted in people's brains to simultaneously record and stimulate brain activity. It's intended to have medical applications, such as treating serious spinal cord injuries and neurological disorders. Now, during a live stream interview at the Wall Street Journal's uh, on Monday, Musk was asked what Neuralink had planned in 2022. He said, we're working, it's right now, Neuralink, Neuralink's working well in monkeys, and we're actually doing just a lot of testing and just confirming that it's very safe and reliable and that Neuralink device can be removed safely. He added, we hope to have this in our first humans, which will be people who have severe spinal cord injuries like uh, tetraplegics and quadriplegics next year pending FDA approval. So, yeah, even though it has that creepy sci-fi feel... Just think if we are on the cusp of that. What what could possibly go wrong with this? (laughs) Right. Exactly. But if we are at that point... One step closer to Terminator. That's just it. Exactly. Uh, So this isn't quite uh, uh, imitating the the human brain, but it's manipulating the human brain with computer technology.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm sure the government will love to get control of this.
0: We'll (laughs) We'll see what happens.
1: (laughs) One thing we talk about a lot, Tim, is... When people have a paranormal or an unknown experience, let's say, there are certain categories of people that you give a little more credence to. And we always talk law enforcement,
0: military, uh, military
1: people, people of of different professions that are, I I guess, more adapt to looking and sorting things out. Mm -hmm. This interesting story comes uh, out of Pennsylvania about a uh, mayor of a Pennsylvania town who had a run-in with Squatch. Oh. Or maybe this time of year we want to call it the uh, the Bumble. The, the Bumble, yes, the bumble, they do bumble The Abominable, yes. yes. It's a legend many claim to have witnessed and others have only read about, but Rigglesville Mayor Greg Stokes says he was out camping in Pikes County back in July of 1984 when he had his first experience with the big man. Squatch. Squatch. Vomitable. Bumble. Bumble. Yes, yes. At one point during the trip, he recalls George. hearing... George? I don't remember George. i just make it up. All right. Yeah. At one point during the trip, he recalls hearing something large and menacing on two feet rustling outside of his tent. Then he says he heard a scream that was horrifying and still haunting. Ooh. This thing let out the scream from hell. Wow. That, that would scare me. Yeah. Yeah. It sat bolt. I sat... It it's, it's, it sat bolt upright in my tent. Guessing and he means I. This thing vibrated my body <laughs> so hard, I couldn't see the inside of the tent. I, I think we're still talking about the Squatch here. I think. And it has this huge, huge resonance, and it was close enough to me that I could hear its lips pop apart when it actually started the scream. It was a very, very low guttural tone, recalls Stokes. Mayor Stokes says he's 99% sure it was Bigfoot, but leaves the 1% of doubt only because he didn't actually see it. He's spent the last 37 years reading and researching Sasquatch and meeting other people with similar experiences in the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project, which currently has about 20,000 members. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, the Bucks County chapter is just getting started. There's about 400 to 600 sightings that are reported a year. Uh, there's Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project uh, meetings being held on a regular basis. He says their goal is to share stories, but also to understand the species they all believe are living among us in the woods in our areas. So mm-hmm. if you wake up vibrating in your tent...
0: Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, check to see what you back
1: Might want to call Mayor Stokes, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> So again another uh, another what we may consider a bit more uh, of a qualified or uh, believable yeah. squatch report. It's just yeah. it's interesting he gets so detailed into everything about the encounter except he didn't see anything.
0: You right. Right right right. Which yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Love it. Love yeah. stories like that. All right, there we go. Speaking of creepy creatures. <laughs> Boy, do we have one coming we, up We've got,
1: yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting because the whole Christmas genre, you know, you go back in time and there were Victorian Christmas ghost stories all around. And we come up to modern day and Krampus has made a big comeback. You bet. Or at least in the U.S. It's mainly the Germanic legend mm-hmm. of the, the Christmas demon that comes and ferrets out the, the bad kids before Santa what comes in. What a wonderful legend. It's almost gotten normalized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can remember 10 years ago, this was kind of a fringe thing to talk about Krampus. Yeah. And now there's movies out. Hollywood's embraced it. There's greeting cards with Krampus. You can yeah. get Krampus T-shirts. Wait till he's on beef jerky. Absolutely. That's I, th- I think we're seeing his... Krampus em- versus uh, Sasquatch, Sasquatch. Jack Link's. Yeah. That'd be great. I think
0: we're starting to see that uh, we saw what the explosion of Bigfoot and how pop culture he is now.
1: Now that I think of it, I have a Krampus candle that somebody sent me, a friend of mine sent a year or so ago, that I forgot to take out. Out. Oh. I've got to get that out under the tree.
0: Yes, you do. Otherwise, he might come
1: for you. <laughs> yes.
0: Although we've already passed we, it. We did just yeah. pass
1: Krampus night. was earlier in the week. And yep. looks like we're both we're, still, we're here. still
0: here. We're still here. Speaking of good. creepy individuals, though. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to that. We've got one coming on inside the creaking door for you coming up uh, in our main segment. We are very excited to be welcoming this uh, gentleman back in. We're going to talk uh, just wonderful traditions and uh, weird, uh, mysterious things around this time of year as well. Christmas time with John John Tenney. You bet. Coming up next, right here inside Creaking Door Paranormal Radio, powered by Eagle Play. Our world is filled with hidden mysteries and wonders for those who open themselves up to possibilities that science has not yet explained. Tim Ellis and Brad Blair, two of the authors who brought you Upernatural Haunts, Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society case files, and hosts of Creaking Door Paranormal Radio, continue their exploration of the bizarre and otherworldly in their latest book, Great Lakes, Monsters, and Mysteries. Join Brad and Tim as they recount some of the myriad legends of the lore of the United States Great Lakes region, along with monsters of the deep you'll read of ufos and alien encounters shapeshifters cryptids both winged and terrestrial imps fairies gnomes black-eyed kids haunted lighthouses and phantom schooners tim and brad also share some of the ghost stories and mysterious happenings shared from their listeners of creaking door paranormal radio get your copy of great lakes monsters and mysteries today at (laughs) www.upernaturalhaunts.com Back inside, creaking door, paranormal radio. Tim Ellis and Brad Blair with you. And Brad, uh, very excited to welcome our next guest back in. He is a return E, if you will. Uh, it's been a while though since we've had him in, and we couldn't think of a better person to bring in to talk about weird christmas holiday ghost stories
1: well when you think about a a jolly fat man in a bright suit who else would come to mind
0: (laughs) (laughs) we'll see what he thinks of that one because uh
1: maybe quite the opposite
0: yeah yeah he he, i've never seen him in anything real bright and he certainly isn't fat but uh he is (laughs) one of the most wonderfully weird people you will ever meet we are very happy to be welcoming back inside creaking door paranormal radio mr john tenney john hello sir Hello, ho, ho, ho. (laughs) There you go. So did you put on some weight since we last saw you then? Are you a jolly (laughs) man now? (laughs)
2: Uh, Every year, you know, I have to put on about 300 pounds before I go to deliver (laughs) presents.
0: Outstanding. Well, thank you, sir, for taking time to be with us. I know it's been another busy year for you with uh, touring and lecturing, and we've had the the honor and the fun to uh, be at a few of those with you as well. And so overall, looking back on the year, now that we're kind of, even though we still got to be careful with everything going on out there, events are happening again. How good did that feel to get back out there?
2: It's always so wonderful to just sit around and commiserate with weirdos. I mean, especially after everything we've been through, being inside and being in our own heads, it's just nice to get out and see all the different faces and watch people's eyes go into weird glazes (laughs) when they start to talk about ghosts and UFOs and Bigfoot. It's really wonderful.
0: Yeah, it is. You know, I always find it so fascinating uh, whenever we're at events with you. uh, It's always fun to watch. After John Tenney speaks, the lineup that uh, comes to your table because you you stri- you seem to really you strike a chord with these people and they just want to come and and take in more of that that weirdness
1: and, and then he disappears and has a smoke so they <laughs>
0: they stand there a while
1: so it's worth the wait
0: <laughs> it is worth the wait but it, it never fails wherever we go John you always seem to strike that chord
2: Uh, You know, I think I got that from my mother. My mother was a talker. She loved to talk to people and she loved to listen to people. And I think that's something that gets missed a lot too. You know, my lectures are are pretty free flowing, but it really is about sitting around with people and talking to them and just getting to know them. The ghost stories and the UFO stories are great, but we're all weird and that's the part of this experience of being human that i love is just being able to meet other weirdos
0: yeah for sure and and i think you know to 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 pigeonhole you into a paranormal person or a ufologist person is wrong because anyone who's ever gotten to know you or sat through your lectures i mean your lectures go from one side of the room to the other and you talk you, you hit on every subject
2: it's just the way my brain fires you know i i've been to enough classes and seen enough lecturers to where when people, you know, everybody has their own style, but when someone pulls up a bulleted, you know, list uh, on, a, on a giant screen and, and they kind of sound like they're speaking, uh, you know, or doing a lecture they've done a thousand times, I personally tend to lose interest, but my brain is so frenetic that I'm looking at the crowd, I'm talking to people, so I kind of gauge what people want to hear, and then as I'm lecturing, it just all comes out of my mouth, a mishmash ramble of nonsense. (laughs) People seem to like it.
1: And as Tim said, uh, it's been a busy season. It's been a busy Halloween. Every October, November is busy in the paranormal field. But it seemed to be that much busier this year, I think, with people doing makeup events, people getting out for uh, just that paranormal experience once again that they could have one-on-one. Now, now we're past that, but it seems there are a lot more Christmas events this year or holiday season events that I'm seeing out there that are paranormal-related. Do you have... Anything booked up in your lineup for this, John?
2: I actually don't. I, as uh, normally goes, if we were in a normal, I usually take December and January off to do research so that I have stuff to talk about for the rest of the year. And I actually did so many events this year, I usually only do 12 or 13 a year. But this year I did, you know, I think 14 and eight months. So I figured, well, I've done enough for the year. I can go back to my normal schedule of researching for December and January to have new stuff to talk about. But I see a lot of Christmas events coming. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Same here. And we were kind of hoping to tap into that, this being our Christmas episode of The Creaking Door. And as I said in your intro, I couldn't think of a, we couldn't think of a better person to bring inside to talk some weird Christmas holiday stuff. Because if there's anyone who's unearthed some of that, it's, it's going to be you and your, your research that you do. Uh, so so let's jump into some holiday uh, talk here, John, if you've got something that you would like to jump in with.
1: Well, yeah, and you, you grew up in Michigan, John, right? just to get it started to give everybody a little bit of background. So you're used to the typical Midwest winter, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. So what was it like in the Tenney household growing up as a child with your family for Christmas? Were there anything in the way of special... Uh, Oh, I don't know. Holiday traditions that you looked forward to every year.
2: I mean, Christmas in the Tenney household was Christmas like you would, you know, uh, uh, every child would want to have. I mean, presents under the tree. You get to open one at, you know, Christmas Eve night. Uh, yeah. There's always a. There was a Christmas Eve adult party that the kids would sit <laughs> on the steps and listen to the adults kind of get a little drunk, and <laughs> then you'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning on Christmas Day, and you know, we had everything: trees and reeds and lights. It was it was perfect, and even though my family was pretty lower middle class you, they my mom and dad never let us know that you know they did everything they could to make it our, our you know christmas wish uh the only real tradition that we ever had in our house was my mom would have presents for relatives that had passed on and they were just empty boxes but they were wrapped and left under the tree wow. as kind of a sign to grandmothers and grandfathers and aunts and uncles who had passed on. Did she, really cool. did she
1: ever mess up the tags and accidentally put your name on one of those <laughs> empty boxes under the tree?
2: <laughs> you know, the other thing is my mom and dad, uh, you actually just reminded me of this, so none of the presents under the tree except for those relative presents. My sister and I my mom had this complex code of numbers so that if my sister and I found our presents wrapped in the house before Christmas, we didn't know if it was my present or my <laughs> sister's present because it said 2 number 23 or 226. So we didn't know what our numbers were, so we couldn't <laughs> shake the presents to figure out which ones were ours.
0: That's great. Smart. So you didn't, you guys didn't push the limits and uh, slowly untape it and just to see and then tape it back up?
2: Uh, I did not. I actually liked the surprises. My sister wanted to know, uh, but I, I kind of liked the surprises and waiting.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I never. I, I didn't even go looking. Uh, I just. I enjoyed the whole uh, wait and, and and for Christmas morning for
1: sure. I guess I'm the only. I guess I'm the only prick out of the three then because <laughs> I, I was always digging in the closets trying to figure out what was there.
2: Oh, so I, I looked for sure. But once I found them, then I was like, well, there they are. But I, I looked for sure. I was a detective around the house.
0: Love it. So do you, uh, you know, growing up and uh, in, in getting involved with conspiracy theories and everything uh, that, that is not of the normal, and I say that with all due respect, uh, did you ever have a weird holiday or Christmas paranormal event happen to you growing up?
2: Not growing up, I did have a experience. If I if I may indulge your audiences, please. I was sitting around one night at Benny's with some friends. They weren't interested in paranormal stuff, but they wanted to be scared. So they <laughs> said, "You know, can you take us to some scary place?" And it was probably one o'clock in the morning. And we drove out to uh, to like the Lapeer area of Michigan. There's an old cemetery out on a place called Blood Road. And perfect. We drove out there, and my friends Kevin and Jim got out of the car and they kind of walked into the cemetery. The snow was falling, and they instantly became kind of sick like they started their stomach started cramping they started getting dizzy and woozy so I got out of the car and I kind of ran over to them and I grabbed them and was pulling them out of the cemetery I didn't know what was happening I was freaking out too and then another friend of ours Shaney, she ran and grabbed one of them and started pulling them out. we all started getting really lightheaded and we were laying in the snow trying to figure out what had happened and we could hear a choir singing amazing grace and we got back in the car and we freaked out and started driving off down the road and this cemetery is in the middle of nowhere and we realized that it was after midnight so we were actually in that cemetery on christmas night
1: wow i love that that's fun that that that's good stuff. That's that's the kind of experience that Tim and I, growing up as kids, always were out looking for, you know, to, hitting the old cemeteries, the old abandoned houses, and and things like that. We we never had anything. I don't think that profound back in the day, but
0: no, not was, not like that. But you and it know. was
1: always over Christmas break too. Was one of the big times that we would be because we had so much free time back mm-hmm. then.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. So uh, how so how long ago did, did that one happen?
2: That probably happened when I was 18, 17 or 18. The thing that I still remember so viscerally about it was we were laying in the snow and we were all kind of freaking out and then we all got really quiet and then without saying anything, we all stood up and ran back to the car, we jumped in the car, we went down this blood road dirt road until we got to a stop sign the first stop sign my friend Jim who was driving slammed on the brakes and he said listen I heard something in that cemetery and I'm gonna do it on the count of three and if you heard something I want you to do it too and he counted one two three and all four of us started singing Amazing Grace at the same time and it was just chilling
0: so it wasn't even a fact where you guys stopped and said did you hear Amazing Grace did you hear it It wasn't until you were all back together
2: it was uh, when we were all back together and it was that moment too, like, and a lot of people who have paranormal experiences, like we were driving in the car, like speeding away from the cemetery and no one was talking. Like our brains were in such a kerfluffle over the experience that there wasn't chitter or chatter about what had just happened. We were all inside of our heads thinking like what just happened and those moments too really freak me out because it's like our brain gets completely rewired when we've experienced something that is really strange yeah
1: i think that's wonderful too because back in victorian days in the early days christmas was known to be intertwined with ghost stories before people had television radio the ghost story was a big tradition of the christmas season for a lot of people
2: yeah, for sure. And, you know, we've kind of lost that. You know, you hear it in the song, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year, there'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. And Christmas really is that time, you know, whether it's very Dickens, you know, 1800s, past, present, and future, it is that confluence of remembering the past and, and looking forward, And and I think ghost stories should play a big part.
0: You know, and, and if you actually think back to, back to the whole Yule log and back to uh, you know the non-Christian um, um, side of Christmas, but even this time of year, the winter, and what a, what a dark and heavy time it was for those back in the day uh, to, to bring in that Yule log, to light that fire, and in the hopes that they were going to be able to, to get through another one of these winters, this time of year, back in those days, really lent itself to that, that dark, heavier feel.
2: Yeah, and again, you know, that's just from taking it from a Judeo-Christian side point, right? Like, if you the spirit of Christmas. It's funny that we even talk about that. Like it should be spirits of Christmas because whether it's the Holly King, you know, the green man fighting the Oak King because it's the changing of the seasons or things dying. So that new replenishment can come in the spring. Like there is this very liminal transitional state that we're in right now. And it just does make it kind of perfect to sit around the fire and remember and think and hope.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a great point. Uh, You know, I'm sitting here, we're we're talking about this, and and we're talking about Christmas and, and the memories of being a child. This kind of brings me back to uh, something we learned, uh, another great story about you. Every time we get a chance to be around you, John, we always seem to learn something new about John Tenney. And you shared with us when we were down at uh, Old Mill Pear uh, in Dundee, this wonderful story. And this is kind of getting away from the Christmas side of it. But again, it just kind of touches and, and reaches to that child inside of all of us. Uh, that, that great story about um, this, this mystery place you remember going to as a child. And then finding your way back to that as an adult and going on this amazing hike and this journey to find it. And that was such a fascinating story. I've never heard you share that one before.
2: Yeah, you know, the mystery, it's called Mystery Ridge, but it was just this place that I saw as a child. You know, driving up into northern Michigan and spotting it out of you know, oh, that looks like a fun place to go. And then, as getting older and remembering it and going to look for it and never being able to find it and thinking, oh, was that something I constructed in my mind? And literally decades later, later, being able to find that location and and find. You know, the postcards and start to find more information about it, all of a sudden it really does bring back, like, us to our youths. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people, sure, they say, you know, when you grow up, you put away childish things. But I really think that. When you're a child and the children that surround us in our everyday lives are tapped into a reality much more magical than we allow ourselves to normally live in. And so when you can have an experience to reclaim some of your childhood, I think that's as magical as having a paranormal experience.
0: Yeah, so true. Uh, So taking us through your years of investigating and and talking to so many people who have shared their experiences with you, whether it be paranormal or or UFO or cryptid or anything like that, do you have anything that kind of ties into this season?
2: You know, one of the things that I get, and it gets harder now because obviously of social media, but... Uh, Probably starting in the mid-90s, people would send me a lot of photographs and stories of finding footprints on their roof, Mm. which I love. I think it's great. As a matter of fact, I think it was in 2008, I found a pair of footprints on my roof. And, you know, one of the things that I tell people is go and take a picture. I want to see the ground around your house. I want to see if there are ladder marks. And and it really always fascinated me how many times, you know, there's perfect snow around a person's house and then there'll just be a set of footprints in the middle of the snow from nowhere, sometimes on the roof, sometimes in the backyard, like someone is just setting down for a moment. And again, you know, as people who investigate ghosts. One of the things that we find fascinating are you know, those mysterious handprints and footprints. And I think again, because of Christmas and Michigan and winter and snow, this affords us an opportunity to see those entities that might not be viewable as a physical person, but are leaving some kind of imprint or impression. So I, I think that I would tell people around this time of year, when the snow starts to fall and you go out and you're wondering in the glories of nature, look for strange footprints because I think you will probably find them.
1: I always thought that this would be the best time of year for someone that is into big footing. To be out, somebody that's out looking for Sasquatch or Yeti or whatever you want to refer to it as. But with, with the winter snows around here, especially in northern Michigan, if there is some creature of this size wandering through the woods, this would be the perfect time to pick up on something like that. And I think that harkens yeah. right back to what you were just saying. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I really do. You know, I've told people for years and years, I don't really tend to investigate during the winter because it's Michigan. It's very cold. Mm-hmm. And I know that houses are going through a lot of stresses. They change from, you know, summer, fall to winter. So they're getting a lot of weird stuff in your house. But at the same time, I also implore people that, snowy times are great times to go to cemeteries. They're so quiet. And you will really be surprised at how many quote-unquote mysterious footsteps you will find in a cemetery where there'll be footsteps around a grave, but there's no footsteps leading to the grave. This happens a lot, and I get a ton of reports about it, and I think that people aren't looking for it so they don't see it, but it's also a great time to go to a cemetery like i said to reflect in the quiet and the ability to perhaps see something really strange
0: yeah you know it, it's funny because uh this last spring late well it actually would have been late winter because we still had snow on the ground uh we had someone approach our team who um they had a doll they wanted out of their house and we needed a place to to put it so I took it home. And uh, it's it's in the spare bedroom. And shortly after we brought it home, uh, a weird thing happened where this door in the bedroom ended up getting moved or this chair in the bedroom ended up getting moved in front of the door to where the door wouldn't open without a lot of force. One of the first things that we were able to do was to go look out behind the house where the window is into that room to make sure there were no footsteps there. Like if anyone was trying to play a prank or came in through the back window. So, yeah, it, it really can become a tool in your toolbox this time of year.
2: Yeah, and again, you know, hearkening back to those old Victorian days, you know, you can sit around in your house, and I tell people sometimes, too, you know, with all of the gadgets that people have, I do a lot of experiments with candles, and this is a perfect time to kind of sit around in the dark on a nice cold winter's night and light a couple candles and put them on the other side of the room. And, you know, whether or not people see the flashlight experiment or they use K2 meters with like buzzing and beeping lights, like put two candles on the other side of your room and then ask questions of the candles and watch them flicker and jump. And I think that, again, people will be amazed at how easy it is to have a little paranormal moment with something as simple as a couple of candles. Designate one as yes and one as no and go and have fun for ghosts.
0: Yeah, exactly. Kind of goes back to the old, uh, you know, the laying of the um, other, you know, one of Brad's favorite uh, historical figures is Harry Price. and Absolutely. Who loved to have a flask of whiskey in his ghost hunting box, well, but he also... In case also,
1: anyone passed out. Sure, right. <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, but also, you know, back in the days when they would lay uh, talcum powder and, and whatnot on the ground, too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same theory.
2: Yeah, for sure. To catch footprints. Which yeah. You know, the snow is your talcum powder in this yep. case. Yep.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, any, so what else, uh, you know, do you, with some research you've done on your own, not necessarily people who have come to you, John, but uh, anything else you've learned of kind of a a ghost story that revolves around whether it be Christmas or the New Year?
2: You know, uh, I will always go back to, again, it's not just people reaching out to me, but I will see stories online or see. in the newspaper. There really does seem to be something to the idea that children, perhaps, can manifest Santa Claus. Mm. There are so many cases where it's not a mother or a father or a grandparent or someone dressing up like Santa Claus, but children seeing Santa Claus, the image that has been created over the past, you know, 150 years of a jolly red man, that kids hear Santa walking on the roof that they, and it's not parents doing something. A lot of times these stories will come from not just children, but adults too. And I I think that something is to be said about the power of our combined creative thought into manifesting the real kind of St. Nicholas visiting our houses. This, this story gets told over and over again, and I know that a lot of people write it off to childhood imagination, and I think, unfortunately, we do that too much, and we miss just how strange the experiences we have are having.
1: So kind of a Tulpa Santa Claus. Yeah, That's yeah. fascinating.
2: Yeah, for sure. There are I, it's so crazy to me because we do live in a social media world. Uh, if you look online right now like for mystery Santa Claus, is like there are photographs of people who seem to have images of what looks like, you know, Chris Kringle, Santa in his suit and there's no one around, there was no one dressed up like Santa. Sometimes you will even hear reports of Santa, you know, door knocking coming up to people's houses, but only one house in the neighborhood. And then they look out the window and there's no guy walking down the street or there won't be footprints leading up to their house in the snow. Uh, This idea of a kind of aggregor, tulpa Santa Claus is super fascinating to me. Yeah,
1: you think of one night out of the year that how many thousands, millions of kids have the same thought in their head when they go to bed, and they're all picturing this version of Santa Claus that Coca-Cola gave us back in the 30s, 40s, whenever they they started producing the marketing with Mm -hmm. what we consider the modern-day vision of Kris Kringle. And all of these kids at the same time, or roughly the same time, the same night, laying down with the thought of this man coming into their house, and then it manifests.
2: Exactly, and Santa himself, you know, he's a giant magical elf. Like he already in, in that imagining that children have, like whether or not they realize it or not, mm-hmm. they do have ideas in their head that he can fly around the world in the night, that he can zoom up and down a chimney, that he is magical, that he can, you know, you know, wink his eye and and, and twist his nose and magical things happen. So there there's even that component to their thinking and their imaginings of Santa that might push into reality a very
0: strange creature. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, You know, this time of year, too, you always hear a lot of, uh, I know Rosemary Ellen Guiley used to love to share her stories of angels and miracles around this time of year, too. There's so many of those type of magical uh, stories near Christmas in the new year.
2: Yeah, it's and it's one of those things, too. You know, we, as paranormal researchers, people think in their own religious spectrum, and their own spiritual spectrum, but it is one of those moments, whether it was my mother, who was not religious at all, putting presents underneath a tree for our ancestors, there is a lot of ancestor worship, and there's a lot of, dream stories, there's a lot of interactions with quote-unquote angels, ancestors, and people that we loved coming back just to give us one more moment, and those seem to be very common around this time, too, because, again, our minds have become a little bit more magical. We're in our houses. We're starting to think about the past, present, and future, and those people, I think one of the strangest stories I've ever heard was a woman... This is probably going back 10 years ago. She was visited by this very tall, handsome man uh, that she said was an angel. And she didn't realize until... 20 years later that it was her son coming back from college. He walked in the front door, 20 years later, he walked in the front door, he gave her a hug, and she kind of pushed him back and said, oh my God, do you remember my angel story? And he was like, yeah. And she's like, you're him, you, you, you're the idea that I had 20 years ago that you were coming back to visit me. So, I mean, even the idea that she was having a kind of precognitive event of seeing an angel from her future, I find just beyond fascinating.
0: Yeah, you've got a few uh, stories like that that you have heard from uh, your clients in the past, John, that almost uh, it really lends credence to this whole time slip possibility of seeing ourselves in the past or the future, and we're actually the ghosts that we're witnessing. It's so trippy to think about that.
2: Yeah and I you know it's when we're talking about ghosts let's um, you guys have heard me lecture and some of your listeners have probably heard me lecture like let's get as weird as possible <laughs> I don't have a problem with a ghost being a leftover energy or a spirit of a person but also at the same time there's going to be a time in the future when I become a ghost pop. Possibly, And if I am a ghost, possibly, and no longer tethered to the timeline, I might come back and influence myself or visit myself or create cases for me to investigate. Yeah. And I think we should get as weird as we possibly can when we're thinking about this stuff.
0: Yeah. You know, you brought something up a, a little bit ago here John that uh, really kind of made me start to think about it. So around, you know, start September, for those of us who are into the field, September 1 as far as I'm concerned starts the whole Halloween season, but mm-hmm. you know, September and October we're in the Halloween, scary movies and ghost story mindset. So everyone tends to their energies into that so they tend to see ghosts. But this time of year, the Christmas spirit, the Christmas feeling, even those of us as adults, it kind of brings us back to being a child again. Our 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 imagination and our memory and and our our minds open up more and we come we we want to believe in that magic again and I almost wonder if because of that energy that's being put out there on a mass scale isn't allowing us to have these these moments of uh, you know seeing these footprints or the possible Topa Santa or you know these uh, miracles of angels or spirit guides it's almost like it's it's the mood the planet is in
2: Yeah, I think so. And, uh, again, I talk about this at my lectures sometimes, too. You know, with ghost hunting, especially having Halloween so near to Christmas, when you deal with the paranormal, a lot of the times it's supposed it's portrayed as scary, right? Like everybody's wearing black T-shirts and there's skulls and crossbones and bats and spiders and and all the tropes of Halloween. And we spend – an inordinate amount of time now, perhaps, you know, like you said, starting in September, thinking about all of this dark imagery, and then all of a sudden, what does nature give us? It gives us fresh, clean snow, and it gives us all of these new ideas of rebirth and joy and hopefulness, and we're coming out of this period where a lot of people are spending the time in the darkness, and so the spirit really does lighten around Christmas time. And as our mind, still with all of those ideas that we were thinking of at Halloween of spirits and ghosts, it, it morphs into a much more positive spirit. I've always said that ghost hunting should be portrayed as a positive thing because we all understand death. We know that it's coming, uh, whether we want to admit it or not. But what we're interested in is more life and that's a very positive thing and christmas is more life it's it's the extension of life it's it's the hopefulness of things to come
0: you know and that brings up a great point because i've uh, whenever we've investigated over the years you know i've always wanted to i've always wanted to find that proof that existence not to say ooh i talked to a dead person but i've always wanted to be able to have that there is life after this physical life. There's another life. And I think you're absolutely right. That's the way I think we need to be approaching this as a whole.
2: Yeah, I would very much prefer people to not be so. I mean, I understand that it makes television shows very palatable for a larger audience to make it spooky and scary. But, you know, the the trope is... To investigate only at night and it's dark and everyone is scared but the reality of the situation is you know ghosts aren't on a timer Mm. you can investigate during the day you can investigate any time of the year and you are looking for more possibilities you're looking for more life and that's very positive and not dark and not scary
1: yeah yeah no amen so, all right. Looking ahead to
0: 2022 now, John. As we're coming through the holiday, well, first of all, let's talk about these holidays now. What uh, for John Tenney and uh, in your home and with your family? What What are the plans for your holiday season this year?
2: Well, my holiday season is going to be very slow this year. <laughs> uh, I always have a real tree that'll go up. I think probably later this week, uh, do all the decorations, and then this is actually the first Christmas without my mother. My mother died last January, so uh, I'm sure it'll be very melancholy, but my family has decided to not do a big Christmas and to kind of use this, this first year without her to reflect
0: you know that is not a bad idea coming from you know we've all lost people near and dear to us and that first holiday season is tough it's different um, it has a different feeling and I think sometimes we try to force what was always there so we still have that feeling of when that person was with us uh, I know our family's going through it right now and we're all kind of doing the same thing we're like we're going to do things a little bit different this year to let it be what it is
2: Yeah, and really remember, I I think, for anybody that's ever lost anyone around Christmas time, I, I say this to a lot of people who are going through, whether it's trauma from losing someone or just their ideas, because people do tend to get sad around this time, too, because of lost loved ones. But I try and really impress upon people that the things that we love the most about people, Uh, Their joy, their happiness, their love, their caring and their concern. Those things were never touchable and tangible in the first place and therefore they are infinite and will always exist whether their body does or not. I could never hold the love of my mother. That's an intangible thing but I could always feel it and I still can whether she's here or not. And so I tell people around this time of year allow yourself a moment to feel those infinite processes which will never go away even though they're physical bodies might
0: have Mm, beautifully said yes yeah very good uh okay so looking uh through the holidays then and into 2022 i know your uh your lecture schedule is already starting to fill up you're going to be doing some of the strange escapes with amy bruni again and what else is on the horizon in 2022 for john tenney any books in the works what do you got going on
2: a couple of books for next year uh one about some strange michigan i think perhaps alien sightings Uh, The second volume of, I did Theoretical Weirdo in 2019, and then the second book, which is called Anecdotal Weirdo, comes out next year, Uh, and then I think I'm doing Michigan Paracon in Sault Ste. Marie.
0: Oh, you're thinking right. You will be here, sir. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Even if we got
0: to come down and get you, we're bringing you back up.
1: Would not be the same without you.
0: (laughs) That is true. So we will definitely see you in August again, John Tenney. Thank you, sir, so much for taking time to come on inside the creaking door, share some holiday memories and uh, some ghost stories with us. We do appreciate it. And uh, have yourself a, a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, John. We will talk to you soon.
2: Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas, everybody. All right. We're
0: going to take a break when we come back. More on the way from Creaking Door Paranormal Radio, powered by Eagle Play. Think of Michigan's Upper Peninsula as the scary attic sitting there above the rest of the state. I can think of no better guides to take you inside the history and lore than the guise of the Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society. Those are the words from writer and lead researcher for the hit TV show Ghost Adventures, Jeff Belanger. For over 20 years, the Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society has dedicated their lives to researching the paranormal. And now, some of their favorite cases are brought to life on the pages of their Debut book, Supernatural Haunts. Come inside these pages with the team as they share intimately the history of each location and their experiences during their investigation. Learn their techniques and some of the most intense moments they have faced. True stories and true accounts of ghosts await you inside the pages of Supernatural Haunts by the Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society. Get your autographed copy today at www.upernaturalhaunts.com. And welcome back inside Creaking Door Paranormal Radio, Christmas holiday edition, and uh, Tim and Brad Blair with you, and Brad, what are you cracking up over there?
1: Yeah, it's the perfect meme, I guess, for this time of year, but uh, in all the movies... You see Santa leave a house, he never goes to the house directly next door. He always gets in his sleigh and f's off like 20 miles east. Like isn't that true? <laughs> that is true. You never see Santa just hop to the next rooftop. He's always in the sleigh and gone. Gone, that's away very true. A, away with a dash?
0: I've yeah, he, his uh the way he does it is not very, um, just doesn't make sense. You're right, but he somehow he gets it done.
1: He discriminates, <laughs> I guess, between different children. He's, he's from one house down, yeah, twenty miles east. I, <laughs> I never thought of this. That is a very. Why did very I never think point. of this? this I not Great. That's yeah. that's every Halloween or Halloween every <laughs> holiday cartoon or movie yep. you see.
0: He gets in and he's gone. Huh? Yeah. Maybe, maybe we're just catching him at the last house before he's got to go to the next city. Hmm. Maybe.
1: Let, let's let it go with that. There
0: we go. Well, let's not think too much on this. Uh, but once again, want to thank John Tenney for coming on Inside the Creaking Door. Uh, always great to get caught up with John.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. God, we, were, we were fortunate enough that a handful of uh, venues and, and events that we spoke at this last fall that John was also at. So mm-hmm. we, we did get to hang out quite a bit this fall with John and always a lot of fun.
0: Yep, it is for sure. And so thank you, John, for coming on in. It is time now for our mailbag segment. Remember, if you ever have any questions or stories you want Want to share with us uh, for our upcoming shows? You can reach out to us at our Facebook page, Creaking Door Paranormal Radio, Twitter at Creaking Door Radio, and uh, reach out to us that way. And uh, we will go through your questions and stories. And always happy to share these on our show. This one came uh, from Stephanie Pierce in Toledo, Ohio, which we were just uh, in this summer we were. for one of our events. And she even mentions that. She says, Hello, Midwest Brad. Yeah. She says, Hello, uh, Brad and Tim. Uh, I am from Toledo, Ohio, and was hoping to, to get a chance to be at the event there this summer did not get a chance to make it so was unable to hear you guys speak on your new book great lakes monsters and mysteries which i do own though i bought it from your website thank, thank you, you stephanie we appreciate that uh, and i was wondering though coming from the upper peninsula of michigan which is heavily wooded have you guys ever had any bigfoot experiences up there
1: uh you know that's a great question mm-hmm. we, we get that thrown at us once in a while actually Uh, I cannot say that I personally have encountered anything. Right. Uh, We've had some vocalizations that have been sent to us before that we couldn't say what they were. Sure. And and growing up in the woods, and I did grow up, I spent a lot of time in the woods with my uh, father when I was a child. He was a big hunter. and used to go to camp all the time in the fall. You kind of get to know the terrain. You get to know what different animals sound like mm-hmm. and, and the footsteps and all. I have never have. Uh, what about you, Tim? I don't. Not, neither have I. Uh, I. And But thinking of the
0: way you did, um, you know, I remember being with my older brothers, being in the woods, too. Um, and, you know, look. thinking back on it, I remember – Always hearing like tree knocking, and then not at the time, you know, really putting that two and two to, together with possible tree knocking that is now associated very much with Bigfoot sightings. But that's all for me personally. I think back on that quite a bit, being younger and uh, and and hearing the tree knocking, and it, of course being a young kid, anything could sound like a right. tree knock back then. But that's the only thing for me personally. But I know uh, over the years with us being uh, with the Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society, even though we're mostly into uh, haunting researching. We we've had a lot of people handful of people throughout the years though, reach out to us with some bigfoot situations where we have done uh, some uh, we, we, not uh, real deep thorough investigating but we have done some work for them.
1: Yeah, recently. In fact, mm-hmm. we we had two this summer. This summer alone. Yeah, that one yeah. Uh, there was one just outside of St. Marie that Tim and I went. Uh, the woman had described her dogs getting very agitated, not wanting to go outside the house and she went out and found uh, about a 15 and a half inch Footprint mm-hmm. that she casted, yeah, and, and called us out to come and check out. And uh, I at Michigan Paracon this past year, I was able to kind of show that to Cliff Brackman from yeah. Finding Bigfoot, yeah. and he he thought the measurements and everything about it looked right.
0: Yeah, and we yeah we actually held on to it, took pictures of it, mm-hmm. and it did it, it was impressive Cl- to say the least. Cliffy thought uh, Cliff, uh, thought uh, there
1: was a lot to it. Yeah, so he was very interested in that account. And then just recently, a um, few weeks back. We had a, uh, a message from a, a paranormal investigator from lower Michigan mm-hmm. who had been out hiking near the Tequamanon Falls area. Up in our area, a bit to the west of us. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Beautiful scenic area. And she saw something moving in the woods that she explained to be somewhere in the, the seven foot range, she thought. Yeah. It's behind some trees. It spooked the hell out of her. She snapped a couple pictures. There's something large and hairy behind a tree. Yeah. Uh, you know, your typical Bigfoot is blurry. You can't really tell what right. it is, um, but it was interesting, and it, it was something that she really it, it just sparked an emotion in her yep that she said she took off right after she snapped those she was afraid
0: and you know we talk about this in our in our presentation we do for Great Lakes Monsters and Mysteries too when you talk to these people who have experienced them oh you can't tell them any different no. they know what they've experienced yeah. they believe what they saw and and when you talk to them that's when you really get a feel for all right these people aren't trying to blow smoke up our butts no. uh, th- this this something happened and you can see it in their face and the way they tell the story
1: well and here in the UP of Michigan it's there are miles upon miles mm-hmm. of unexplored woodland. There, there, the coastline is undeveloped. Yep. You, you've got so many water sources, so many food sources, right. and like we discussed a little bit earlier with John, talking about the footprints on rooftops, yeah. that you see and. I've always thought, you know, this is the time of year. Although it is cold as hell, mm-hmm. and if you get wind shifting from the wrong direction, the tracks are going to be gone. Well, that's
0: just it. The conditions would have to be perfect. Right. But if you get the perfect conditions, but man, if, yeah. if you
1: were going through the woods, you could easily track. Yeah, in something like this. Yeah. But well, like you say you you would have to be right place, right time. Something to think about too, though. If 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 this
0: the as deep as our snow can get up here, uh, you know, and if a, if a Bigfoot is stepping knee high by the time their leg goes in and comes out it might just look like a hole That's true. in the ground as opposed to a footprint but if you see you know staggered holes yeah
1: check cause, that out because if you're knee high to a squash <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. Great uh, question, Stephanie. We do appreciate it. Sorry we couldn't meet in Toledo. Maybe this summer
1: we will meet you at uh, one of the conferences. And we do have some stuff already lined up as we come to an end of Mm -hmm. 2021 and into 2022. uh, We've got a few shows in the works right now, a couple that are already set and we're signed for and we're really looking forward to. Potographs Parafest three that's coming up March fifth. March. If you've never been to a potographs event, uh, the the name might throw you off a little yeah. bit. It is a paranormal event. All proceeds go to help out animal shelters. Yeah, whatever
0: area they're in, they pick that local shelter.
1: Yeah, Tim Tim Miley, the the gentleman that puts these on, really does a hell of a job for, mm. for a great cause. So this one is going to be in Houghton Lake, Michigan. Uh, you can go to potographsforpooches.com if you don't know how to spell that. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Hop onto our Facebook page or our uh, Twitter page, and, and we'll have promotions going for that. That's coming up March 5th. Of course, Michigan Paranormal Convention, the 12th annual. Will be uh, August twenty fifth through twenty seventh right that here at St. Marie, Michigan again.
0: Yep, and uh, we we are working on one uh, an event uh, in May as well mm-hmm. that we just don't have everything finalized yet, so we're not going to say too much about that. No. And a uh, Co- couple
1: others, couple big ones for fall that mm-hmm. uh, a, again the the events aren't finalized. We haven't signed the contracts yet, right. but uh, tune in and we will keep you informed. Also follow us on Facebook on Twitter. We keep those two uh, updated yeah. fairly well. Yep, and you can follow me. At Brad Blair or mm-hmm. Brad at UPPRS on Twitter, Twitter,
0: and uh, for myself, Tim Ellis on uh, Facebook and at Talking Tim on Twitter as well. Uh, which Talking I, Tim on Twitter? Yes, say that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which uh, Twitter? I got to get better about. I do check it, um, but I got to get better
1: about using it for sure. But I, you, I, I check it not as much. If you want to, if you want to send us a question for Mailbag or just a question comment. Do it to the Facebook page because that will get picked up a lot quicker than the Twitter will.
0: Yep, absolutely. Uh, We're on that one much more for sure. But uh, with that, that comes to uh, an end of our last uh, creaking door of 2021. I don't think we'll get back in here before...
1: The new uh, year with the holidays yeah. and the uh, you know e- yeah. everything that comes with and the, the hecticness of the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. I, I just can't see it. So nor do I. But we do have a few uh, big guests lined up to start out next year. So very excited uh, for that. I am too. So yeah. just keep keep your eye here and uh, as I say, follow us on on social media, mm-hmm. and we will keep you updated as new shows post. You
0: got it. And on behalf hey. of my co-host Brad Blair, our engineers and myself Tim Ellis, we are are all wishing you a very Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, have a wonderful end of the calendar year, and we will talk to all of you in 2022. This is Creaking Door Paranormal Radio, powered by Eagle Play. The Creaking Door.